Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. But there's a war that's going on. Here it is. And I want to just usher in victory in your life. Understand, you, you can pay attention to tone or lack of tone, or you can pay attention to whatever you want, but pay attention actually to the Word of God. What is the Word of God telling you this morning? Romans 7, 21 through 23. 23. I find then a law that evil is present with me. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. All right, only people on the right. All you are perfect over here to the left. That evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Remember those, how many words is that? One, two, three, four, five. Seven words. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. How many of you, you're rolling, you're praying, you're studying. By the way, if you're not doing the four essentials, you're gonna fail. Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship. If you're not doing them, you're gonna fail. You will stumble. But you're doing those four things and everything is going good and it seems like evil bubbles to the surface in your life. That's because there's a war going on between your soulish realm and your spirit and the Holy Ghost. Your spirit and the Holy Ghost are together. The soulish realm is in between, and then you have your flesh. And you're doing great, and you're, I'll just use me as an example. You're doing, you're doing good, and then something falls on you. Whatever, the, whatever a bad day, whatever it may be, it, this one may land better. Your wife gives you that expression or that tone, or your husband gives you that expression, or he gives you that tone, or your child gives you that expression, or your child gives you that tone. I can tell that's landing. (laughs) And carnality bubbles up. Evil that is present with you, because although we are all in transformation, we have not been completely transformed. And it bubbles up to you, especially because right then and there you're facing opposition because you are doing something. If you're not doing anything, you'll be left alone. You'll be left alone to not do anything, to stay ineffective, to stay really spiritually sterilized, corralled off. But when you're actually trying to do something, you will see evil percolate. And God will use other, I mean, not God, the devil will use other people. See, we want to do good. We want to. I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good, he's speaking of the law there, not the evil that's present with him. There's a law, the law of his mind, wants to do good. Yes, when it comes to sin, I just wrote down a couple, whether it's addiction, whether it's lust, whether it's lying, sex outside of marriage, whatever it is that people struggle with, you wanna do good, the question is why do we not do it? We can make it simplistic and go it's your fault. It is your fault, you will be held accountable. 
But here, you know what one of my beefs is with the Word of Faith movement, because I am Word of Faith, and I just have beef, I have beefs with everything, <laughs> is that they're endlessly telling you that God is working on your behalf, but they don't tell you how to, how to dispel unbelief. They're always telling you that your ship is coming in, that prosperity is right around the corner, that your best days are ahead, but they don't tell you how to get there. You're gonna, there's, there, you can't just go to one conference after another. That's why so many people, I heard of one of the, I don't remember who was talking, whether it was Jesse Duplantis or Jerry Savelle or whoever it was that was talking was saying, you know what, we've been doing these, I think it's, I can't remember what it is, Southwest Believers Conventions or something like that. And he was like, there's just a totally different crowd in here now than there was when we started 30 years ago. So many people have given up. Part of the reason why they've given up is they're failing for lack of knowledge. You, listen, remodeling is not fun. Everything's gotta come down. If you wanna remodel your home, then you gotta tear it down to the studs. No Christian wants to be torn down to the studs. They wanna be edified in their current state of decay. Why would you want me to edify you? You need to be torn down first. And listen, I'm, this, is just, this, this applies just as much to me as anybody else. But they don't give them a path. The path will require a structural remodel. Possibly down to even the concrete being pulled up and the foundation being re-poured. It can be, there's lots of people who think they're saved that aren't. I mean, why is, why is Matthew 7, 21 through 23 in there? Why, why is it in there? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There's lots of people that think they're saved that are not because they went to these these lukewarm, evangelical, I don't even wanna put the word evangelical in front of them because they're, they're not even evangelical because evangelical, the, the word evangelical elicits the response of winning the lost. They're not wi really winning the lost, they're winning people into their evangelical styled religion. Nobody's actually repenting of sin. So I don't even know, if you don't repent of sin, if you don't repent of all of your sin, you're not saved. Nobody preaches that. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17. So yet, there's a lot of people, maybe it's you, that need to be stripped down even to the studs or even to the foundation. You just have to ask the Holy Ghost if that's you. And start all over again. Better is one day. Amen. I mean, think about it. better is better is one legitimate day Amen. than thousands of useless, pretend, fake days. Amen. Better is one day. Amen. So I was talking about sin and why don't we stop sinning? So there's the there is the rudimentary. And by the way, stopping sinning is not an option. It's not, it's not a process. If you know it's sin, it has to go now. 
Now I'm working, you know what? I only fornicated 14 times last year, and now I'm, I'm trying, I'm really trying to get it into single digits. Hellbound! And you can put any other sin you want in there, including those of you who are gonna gather at a restaurant today and rip me apart. I really, well, I really didn't agree with what he said. Say it, listen. Schedule an appointment, say it to my face. I'll be doing huggies outside of the church. I mean, you only get about 10 seconds because there's a couple hundred people there. Some people to this day, can I just talk to you about something? Real quick. What do you think of the whole new world order thing? Three words, watch the podcast. <laughs> but you can briefly go by today and say, Tom, I disagree with everything you said. Have a great day. <laughs> That's a whole lot better than gathering with other people and sending your way straight to hell through gossip. Gossip's not an exception. Gossip's not, there's, gossip isn't a, a sin that's an exception. Oh, I know people who are gay are going to hell. Yeah, with all the gossips. You can gossip about them being gay once you're down in hell with them. It's the truth. I mean, listen, it's Galatians 5, 19 through 21, Revelation 21, 8, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 10. Nobody talks about it but me. You're gonna be judged by the word, not some sort of Pharisaic prophet who just wants you to stay in the room, stay in the church. Stay in the church for what? What's the point of staying in the church? If there's no salvation, what's the point? I know they're pretending to be salvation, and this is just a, a layered world of deception. Many layers of deception. So that's the rudimentary. We need to stop sinning. Why don't we? Let's, let's, let's go from the, let's make a bridge from the rudimentary into what I call the promises of God and really what are the prophecies of God. These things are supposed to happen. Here's the bridge, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You're like, well, you know, strife is, you know, there's a place for it. No, there's not. Only by pride cometh contention. Proverbs 13, 10. You mean I don't have the right to be mad? No. I don't have the right to be offended? No. The only reason why you ever get offended is because of your pride. And listen, I don't like that verse either. I wish it was, only by love and anointing cometh contention. Because sadly, a lot of times in my life, I am a man of contention. There's a part of me that enjoys contention. But only by pride comes contention. You're not speaking to your wife right now, you're full of pride and in danger of hell's flames. 
That's the only, re- the only reason why people ever get offended. See, you, you can leave a church if you want, but if you're offended, it's because of your pride. You should leave. They come up and say, Jesus is one of a myriad of options. Get up in the middle of the message and leave. I would. That's not why most people leave. They, they leave because they have a boo-boo on their feelings. You see, like people think, I'm gonna make this clear to you. Because I don't always give the full spiel. I'll say things like, I don't care if people, I don't care if someone leaves. But I've always, throughout the years, garnished that with, I won't compromise. So that if you, if you leave, you leave. I won't compromise to keep you. That's the way. To, but really, my concern is for people when they leave, when they leave the church, whether it's this one or one I believe in, is them. Uh, listen, I've, I've known people, I, I have them in my mind right now, former worship leaders, for, friends that have left. They're called here. Some of you get offended all the time, but you're sticking it out. You're not prideful. Somebody, listen, somebody in this church, it doesn't matter if I, if I go to pa- Pastor Rodney's and there's two to 3,000 people there, eventually you're gonna run into a snot. You will, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. You will eventually run into it. The only question is, how will it affect you? If you have pride, then you're gonna be offended. But I think of all these people, if you're called here, when did God change his mind? He changed his mind because you're offended? You're, you changed the heart of God. You, Jeremiah 26, 19, you caused God to repent because you're offended. He just lets you go? Well, I didn't really agree with that one part of the message. So now you're, you're set free. Do you pray over that? Do you fast over that? Do you seek the heart of God? You see, you think that it's about me? It's not. Listen, you need to understand me. I sleep like a baby every night of my life. I'm not exactly the world's most peaceful person, but for some reason, listen, I, everywhere I go, I'll get into it with somebody. I'm not the world, but I, listen, I sleep like a baby. Listen, I don't, I don't, I have to watch it, and I have to watch not to sin. I have to watch even to the place of getting violent. I'm not kidding you. Like, not with my family, but like out on the street. (laughs) I remember I was at a gas station. It was in Port Charlotte. And I, you know, I pulled up there or whatever, and a guy just purposely like backed right into the spot, you know, that I was moving into. So I like sat behind him and I'm like, and I was contemplating what to do. (laughs) I was pastoring this church and that's what was going through my mind. Like, what are you doing? And he was like a snot. I don't know what his problem was. And I I marvel at people because I'm like, "How how do you not realize? It may not be me but you're gonna do that to the wrong person and lose your life. 
But I'm sitting there going to myself, Tom, you pastor a church, man. Drive away. But the only reason why, it was pride. I'm like, how dare you take my spot? You knew I was going there? Well, how dare you take my spot? I mean, it was like fervent. Like basically a middle finger to me. And there was other spots to take. It was wide open, he had to take mine. It's just a demonic attack or whatever, but I'm like, you know, why am I sitting there? Do you know where I was going? I was going as the pastor of the church to go visit somebody in the hospital. I just figured I'd put another one in the hospital on my way to visiting somebody in the hospital. I'd go visit him too. So believe me, I'm not exempt. I didn't even give the, this isn't a direction I was even going in this message. But I'm not exempt from Proverbs 13.10. Only by pride cometh contention. I am not. But you have to ask yourself, right now, I, there's a myriad of contentions going on in this room, in families, friends, whatever, church, whatever it may be. There's only one reason why it exists, pride. Does that mean that you just give in? No, listen, you stand, but don't be offended. You can stand in the truth and not be offended. You, you go back to COVID and everybody in your, every, you go to a family gathering and everybody's vaxxed and wearing a mask. Listen, you can stand and not be offended by them at all. Well, what if they come up and they're just real aggressive about it? It doesn't have to offend you. Just look them in the eye and say, hey, listen, everything that you're saying, spin it sideways and shove it up your own caboose and have a great day doing it. And do it with a smile on your face. That's what you do. You don't have to be offended. Listen, I have family members that hate me. Doesn't bother me. My concern for people who wander is not for me. You got offended and left what you are called to do. And they're all spinning in my mind right now and not one of them is doing one thing effective for the kingdom of God. They left allegedly for the kingdom of God and are either no longer serving God, no longer in ministry, but not a soul is doing anything for God. You know, that sounds awfully prideful. It's not me. God carved out Foundation Church, called them to it, and they left. For what? I had people leave because of paint colors, because of parade floats, because we spent too much money on candy for VBS. That's godly. Where's that in the Bible? You gotta find those Bible verses. But that last part of 1 Corinthians 3, one through three, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You have any strife in your life, any envy? Be like me, I don't envy anybody. I, listen, I struggle. I, I shouldn't be struggling. If I would have 
2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, did that over the first 40 years of me being saved, I would no longer be struggling, but instead, I'm really more of an adolescent at, 50, at 54 years old, spiritually. And don't look at me like that, because most of you are three. But think you're an adult. Otherwise, he wouldn't have the 14-year-old pastoring you. He'd find somebody better for you than me. <laughs> You're like, I've never been in a service like this. Where, listen, I don't paint. I, don't, I am as transparent as the day is long. Love you too. Love you guys too. You're the greatest church in the world. This is the greatest church in the world. I love the other churches that I follow, but this is, my, this is it for me. I love that you are my favorite people, period. Nobody can take what you can take. Congratulations for all of you that have hung in there. But is there, is there envy in your life? Do you envy somebody? Envy takes many forms. Well, I don't, know. I don't know why I didn't get that opportunity. It's envy. And you're full of pride because you're offended by it. Why do you care? If you sell out, God will open doors. I was watching, Hope went to the Radiance Ladies Conference up at uh, Jonathan's church, Revival Today. And I was watching, and there was a, really, to me, a myriad of questions of people coming up and saying, how do I get into ministry? And like, of course, Hope comes in there, and if it was Heather on the stage, it'd been worse. Hope and Heather rotate on who's worse. <laughs> but all Hope just barks out, serve, you know, clean toilets. I think that's the first thing she said. You want to launch into ministry? Clean toilets. God will prosper anything you do. Why, why, is there, why is there a question mark about how to get into ministry? How did I get into ministry? I just volunteered. And over the years, I got promoted. If I would have been all that God called me to be, we'd be way further along than we are right now. You're like, this is a great church. It is a great church, but we'd be way further along. But I, I delayed it because I wasn't, what, I wasn't doing what God called me to do, which I'll get to that in just a minute. And by that, I mean we. But all you have to do is launch. All right, so I want to, I want to people come up to me at the church. Tom, what would you, is there anything, what can I do? I have no idea. First of all, I don't even know what in the world's going on around here. <laughs> Heather tells me where to go, I go, I scream, I leave. <laughs> There's more than that, but it's a good summation. She sets my appointments. I counsel people. I can't believe people. Listen, my counseling has increased. I've been trying to kill it off. <laughs> well, you're crazy coming to me. Crazy coming to me. <laughs> but all you have to do is start. 
Well, Tom, what are the things that you've done? Everything. I used to go at Faith Assembly of God in Orlando. I used to go visit nursing homes. Me and a young adult group, we would go into nursing. And listen, that was brutal. <laughs> brutal. You're sitting there praying with people who have no idea who you are or what you're doing. They don't know who they are. We do like a little church service. I went every Tuesday night, every other Tuesday night. That seed that was planted. That launched, that eventually launched me into ministry. That's what you do. There's no glory. Everybody wants a microphone. No, you don't. You don't. Listen, you need to understand something. It's no more fulfilling to do this than it is whatever it is that you're called to do. It's no more fulfilling. Believe me, I've been in all of them. I've been youth worker, lawn mower, head usher, usher. You sell out to wherever, whatever that starting point is, you sell out. But people don't do it. They don't, they don't care. They're, they're, and they're looking to me. Well, I'm just waiting for him to notice me. Why? Listen, you need to understand something. I'm boring. I'm boring as the day is long. There's no great excitement winning my favor. You need to go after the favor of the Holy Ghost. Why are you not sold out to what you consider to be a menial task? Your head diaper changer at Foundation Church. Give it all that you have. And God will promote you. And so, listen, I love what Travis does here at the church. I really do. I love what he does because all of his people are, in, are inspired. I mean, the guys that like work the parking lot, work security, uh, catch people, whatever it is, they're inspired, they're moving. They have the life of God on the inside of them. Amen. Go to him and ask how he does it. I do. You take whatever it is that you're called to do and you consecrate it unto the Lord and he will open doors for you. But don't even care if he does. Lord, I just give you pray over it, seek over it, train in it. It's really easy because this is easy to talk about, but train it being what you're called to be. If you're, if you're called to be, you know, a, if you're called to be a guitar player, worship leader, whatever it is, why is it that you're constantly waiting for do doors to open instead of praying over it, fasting over it, selling out to it, serving anything you want, I'll do. You want me to play it this way? No problem. I'll play it that way. You're behind the camera. Sell out to it. Pray over it. Anoint it. You never know what could happen. Instead, people want, no, I'm just waiting for the microphone. You're going to wait, and you're going to be six feet under and never get it. You got to be like me and don't care to ever get the microphone. You have, to, you have to almost, you have to actually not want it to ever get it. I tried to avoid pastoring for a long, long time. I prayed over it and like, Lord, do you, want, do you want me to do this? Yes. Four months later, Lord, do you want me to do this? Yes. Two years later, Lord, do you want me to do this? Yes. And the last time I asked him, he said, 
I've told you yes, either do it, do it or don't do it, but never ask me again. That's the word I got. So, I don't know how long it was between then and when I started this church. I have no idea. And when, listen, you start a church, boy, you want to talk about some humbling times. <laughs> show, up to, show up to events when nobody came. <laughs> show, up to, show up to events and it's just the closest of the closest people there. And you got to act like there's a bunch of people there. But everybody wants to just launch. Don't go exactly where, but you can't just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a hold of people's hearts. You can't just do it like you do a rudimentary job. It's God. It's what God has called you to do. I mean, it's gotta be prayed over. I don't care whether it's Bill playing the drums. I don't care whether it's Jesse in the background and the sound. I don't care who, you gotta pray over it. Travis running the rebuild of this entire facility. He's gotta pray over it, fast over it. It's a calling, it's a, it's a gifting of God. I couldn't do what Travis does. I couldn't do what Hope does. I can't do what Heather does. That's why they're all hired. I can't do what Aaron does. That's why they're all been hired. They need to make sure, as I do, just so you know, everything I do is prayed over. Every message, I don't ever go anywhere without praying over it. It's prayed over. I don't care if it's a, a five-minute spiel somewhere, I'm praying over it. I want God. Who in, the world, who, in the world, who in the world wants me? It's the anointing of God that I want. It's not meant to be falsely humble, but in comparison, listen, there's nobody who's a bigger fan of me than me. Nobody. <laughs> I, listen, I'm serious. No matter what, I have never, ever desired to be another person. Ever. I don't struggle with envy. Ever. I love me. Big fan. I find myself to be hysterically funny, incredibly intelligent, Always right. Always. I am not say anything to be falsely humble, but in comparison to me, I'd much rather have Jesus. So I bring him into the room with me. So that's the bridge from the rudimentary to the promises of God. You've got to get rid of all this infantile garbage. Oh, I'm offended. Why is it that offense is the ticket out of the kingdom of God and not the ticket out of your job? Why is it the ticket out of your church and not the ticket out of your job? You get just as ticked off then and you don't leave. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. You'll do anything to preserve your middle class life. I'm middle class. Don't look at me like that. I'm living in the same house I've lived in for 20 years. I'm middle class. I don't even own a car. My car was usurped by my son. I drove my wife's car here. I'm middle class. But a lot of people, they'll do anything to preserve that life. Which will, which, will, which will be what ushers in the mark of the beast. It won't be the rich. The rich will take the mark too, but I'm just telling you, it'll be the middle class people doing anything. I, gotta, I make $57,000 a year, and I will do anything. I will bend over as far as they want me to bend over. I'll do anything to keep it. That was the church in America. Anything. 
So the promises of God, we want to heal, right? We want to heal people, don't you? We want to raise the dead. We want ministry. We want to win the lost. We want to prosper. It's like I was saying, that's the, only, that's the only beef I have with the Word of Faith movement is they talk about your ship coming in, but never talk about dispelling unbelief to allow the ship to come in. It's coming. It's, how's it going to come? They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Don't just keep telling them their ship's coming in. And your greatest days are ahead. They are if you dispel unbelief and you can actually see the open doors. Most of us are walking around in pitch black darkness, believing that it's light. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Matthew 6, 23. uh, Listen, if there's not abundant fruit, something's wrong. I got saved in 1987. And from 1987 to 2020, there was not abundant fruit. And I was considered an above average Christian because I was winning the lost. I was actually performing miracles, but not at the level God wanted me to. So as I've told you a dozen times or more, I wasted giant swaths of my life. But see, the first step is repentance and acknowledging it. Instead of justifying, everybody's got to be, everybody's got to be justified. Well, the reason why I did this is that. The reason why I did that, my, I have the, your, your best intentions at heart. No, you didn't. Just be like me. I screwed up. What a disaster. My mistake. I was stupid. Why can't you say it? See how quiet it gets in here? You, see the fa- you should see the facial expressions. If there's not abundant fruit, you're not right. You know, like you preach this all the time. I know. I, I can't be the only one producing fruit. This is a body of believers. Where are the people? There are people. Listen, I don't want to call them. I don't want to call people out by name. I could. There's people in this church right now who brought people with them today. And they do about every Sunday. And they're hungry for people. They do it all the time. There's people. I could point them out right now. Fill the row right now. They're right in front of me, filling rows full of people. They are better than pastors of art churches with 10,000 people, with a light show, and playing summer at the movies today. They're way better. In the eyes of God, they're way better because they're winning souls, exposing people to the gospel. It's called planting seed. So we want to win the loss. We want ministry. We want to prosper. We want to give. Don't you want to supply the poor? You know what? You're you're buying your mortgage. No problem. I'll catch you up right now. Don't you want to do that? I get the opportunity to do that. Don't you want the opportunity to do that? Well, how do you get there? The first thing is to acknowledge that you're not there. The, the, the greatest problem with getting there is thinking you're already there when you're not. Yep. 
So we wanna do these things. We wanna stop sinning, we don't. Why do we not stop sinning? Why? Why? Listen, what I mean by that is I'm not talking about, please understand, I'm not talking about concession to sin. If you've conceded to sin, you're like, man, she's just too hot not to move in with, you're going to hell. I'm talking about people who vacillate in and out of sin. You get solid with God, but you're lonely. So the guy comes around, same old dude, same, same present, just wrapped in different gift wrapping paper, same exact guy. Like, how do you know, Tom? Because I've been in the church since 1987. If a pretty girl gets saved, the guy's coming. Every single time, the guy is coming. And he's the same dirt rat as the guy before that she just left. Doesn't have a job, he's living off of you, he's stealing out of your purse. But he's got abs, so. (laughs) He looks great at Inglewood Beach across from Lock and Key where he sings karaoke on Friday night, drunk. (laughs) You wanna not sin, but you just can't hold it together. So you you go in and out, believe me, I know I lived that way for decades. I thought you said you were, I was, I was solid, but I would still vacillate in and out of sin, mainly temper tantrums and bitterness. I can't believe that, Tom. You seem so calm. I know. <laughs> I tried to walk away from my ministry a thousand times, but Hope talked me out of it every time. So, why do we continue to vacillate in sin? In your heart, if you know that's you, in your mind, just say amen to yourself. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Acknowledge it. I fail. I go in and out of sin. I don't care if it's once a month, twice a month, twice a quarter, whatever it is. Five times a year, you vacillate in and out of sin. And it's the same sin. Have you noticed that? Over and over and over again. Why? I'm not saying you're lost. I'm saying you're vacillating. You're not conceding to it. You, you, get it, you sin, you get it right. You sin, you get it right. Why do we keep doing that? Then it can go to the other extreme, too, of concession to sin, where you're living in it. Why do we keep doing it? Why? You're failing for lack of knowledge. You're destroyed for lack of knowledge. So why do you keep doing it? Why do I keep doing it? Unbelief. It's unbelief. You believe that it will satisfy something. That's, well, you wouldn't do it if you didn't think it was beneficial. A person snorts cocaine or smokes fentanyl because they believe that it's gonna solve a problem. Yeah, eventually, yes, the addiction takes over, then they just have to do it or they're gonna collapse. But initially, and that is also solving a problem. I better smoke it or I'm gonna collapse. You believe that the sin will satisfy our desire, solves a problem. Maybe, you may even know that it'll only solve it temporarily, but you know what, you're good. You want the reprieve. I want a reprieve for a little while, so I'm gonna look at porn. I want the reprieve for a while, so you know what, I hardly ever do it, but I'm getting drunk on Saturday night, that's it. I gotta have a break. It's unbelief. 
because God is more than enough. But, but you don't pray. You don't, seek the, you, you don't seek him in his word. You don't pray or Bible study, worship and fellowship. You don't do it. And you gotta do it every day. You brush your teeth every day. Why would you not pray every day? If you want to maintenance your teeth, and that's really important to you, what about your relationship with God? Every day it has to be taken care of. Not because he's moving, it's because you move and I move. I'm good now, but I woke up this morning in a wretched mood. I was in a wretched mood last night. Luckily I was alone. I woke up in a wretched mood. Then I nearly choked on my cliff bar in the office. I'm back there for half an hour. And I was in my mind the whole time going, just cave, it's gonna be a horrible day. There's a war going on. I'm like, no, I'm not caving. I just kept speaking to myself. No, no, I reject this, I reject that. And the only reason, you can get to the place, my wife is way more advanced than I am in this, of where she doesn't have to do a lot of rejecting because most of how she thinks is correct. Me, on the other hand, I reject that, I reject this, I reject that, I reject that mood, I reject this. Because I caved into him for so many long. Again, 54, wasted 50. Quiet in here. I'm just gonna tell myself, it's because you're listening intently. I'll just tell myself that. So why do we fail to stop sinning? Because of unbelief. Why do we fail to produce much fruit? I don't care how old or young you are. You should be producing fruit. Not by your determination, but by God's determination. Matthew 12, 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Choose. A tree is known by its fruit. I want you to, I want you to think of this. Look up at me now. You are known by what you produce. That's it. You're known by your fruit. What are you producing? There's families that, I look around this room, and there's families that came into this church, and this church is like a stone cold Steve Austin, cold, cold, uh, stone cold stunner. <laughs> and, you, and you hung on, and I look, now you have fruit. Wives came here, and now their husbands are saved. Amen. I know who you are. Amen. That's fruit. But it doesn't end there. Don't make a monument to it and burn incense to it. Now go win more people. Yeah. We can't, listen, we, again, I, you're like, Tom, you talk about, of course I'm gonna talk about numbers. There's 800, there's 857 chairs in here, right? Is that right? 868, we added more for Jonathan, I think, right? Never went back. So 868 chairs are in this room. A lot of them are filled. If everybody in here kicks in, we'll have to go to two services. That includes me, but I pray over those opportunities, do you? I've told you this, and I keep using it, but I'm using this to inspire you, not to bring glory to myself. I'm not the world's most sociable person. 25 years of law enforcement, you're skeptical of humanity. 
and ministry's worse. How do you know? Because I did both. Have you? I did them both simultaneously. I'd, I'd ra- there's many times I'd rather, much rather go work with the sheriff's office than be here. At least you know where you stand for all intents and purposes. And you don't poop where you eat. Some of you can figure that out later. But I go, listen, doors open for me. Countless people in my neighborhood have come to this church. All I do is walk around. I don't go knocking on their doors. Hey, just Pastor Tom here. (laughs) Foundation Church. Just wanted to tell you like I do every day. I know you're getting annoyed with these continuous visits, but you're going to hell. And uh, I'm going to head back to the dog now. So uh, have a good day. No, and there's people that I'm working on. The doors will swing open. And you'll see them in this church. Whether they survive or not, that's not my job. Most of Jesus' disciples, John 6, 53 through 67, went back and walked with him no more. They couldn't take him either. When you say, you know what, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, that's a harsh, harsh teaching. Who can stand it? Many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. You preach the gospel, not a lot of people are gonna make it. You're like, yeah, but there's churches full. That's because they're not preaching the gospel. They're a church that doesn't preach the gospel. They're nothing more than a Christianized club. So we fail to produce fruit, and we fail fail to stop sinning. Why? Because of unbelief. And you can fix unbelief. I'm giving you the path. Gosh, dog, 11.51, I gotta shut up. No, I just wanna get to more of it. I wanna get to more of it. I'll get you set up before we leave, but there's a whole lot more to this than what I'm getting to. I have like like 18 pages of notes. I'm on page three. Because I don't ever stick with the notes. There's less, lots of pontifications. We fail to produce, we fail to stop sinning because of unbelief. Luke 8, 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those. Are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. The ones that fell on the good ground, the seed of the word of God that fell on the good ground must produce fruit. If it's received with a noble and good heart. You go, you know what? The word of God is right, I am wrong. That's a noble and good heart. The word of God is right, and I am wrong. That's, that is receiving the word with a noble good heart. Back to ambient noise. Ambient noise is not unbelief, it's what causes unbelief. There's a war going on, but I see, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, Romans 7, 23 again. What's warring against the law of your mind is ambient noise. What's challenging the law of your mind? The law of your mind is faith. Whatever is challenging faith to you is noise. It's ambient noise. Ambient noise is often what you don't coherently hear, like traffic. 
If I, if I turn these speakers on, just blare music, that's not ambient noise. When you and I are out there talking and we can carry on a conversation perfectly in here and you can hear everything that I'm saying, but we go out to the parking lot and can't hear each other, it's because of 41 in the parking lot. It's ambient noise. It's things that you don't necessarily know are challenging your faith. You've got, listen, it is not an option. It is imperative that you identify the ambient noise in your life. Imperative. Because there's a war that's going on. There's nothing mystical about winning that war. People want things to be mystical, why? It excuses, it, 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 it excuses lack of action. Just, I don't know why. I want everything to be mysterious. A mystery shrouded in mist. Therefore, it's not on me. I don't know why God does this. I don't know why God does that. It has nothing to do with me. If God wants to do it, he can. How many of you know that's a lie? If God wanted to, he could have done it. It's not true. If God wanted to, he could, have, he could have saved Aunt Susie. That's not true. God would have to cease being God to save Aunt Susie if there's no faith. He, he promises that he will only honor faith. So if he, there's no faith there, well, like she was saved. Yes, but her faith was encumbered by ambient noise. She had faith that was being tugged at and challenged by unbelief. And it was never taken care of. So God can't move. It's not, it's not that, well, he could if he wanted to. Stop, listen, stop setting yourself up to hate God. If anything, set yourself up to hate you. The only, per, the only thing holding back God is unbelief, and that's you and me. God is a fountain. Think of it this way, because none of us have, well, not many of us, none of us have fountains. Maybe we'll put a giant fountain out there in the parking lot, a giant fountain of me like in a fig leaf. <laughs> Sorry to put that in your mind. Wash it clean, wash it clean. That's why you need to renew your mind. But none of us have fountains, but there's not a person in this room that doesn't have a faucet. Let me ask you something. Do you have to conjure that water out? Or do you just turn it on? It's because it's pressurized water held back by a steel plate. And all you gotta do is turn the steel plate out of the way. You don't have to turn the steel plate out of the way and go, come on water, come on water. It just goes, that's God. And all you have to do is turn the faucet on, which is belief. That's it. And that's what your life should be about. How many Christians are in here? Shout amen. amen. All right, that's what your life is all about, period. No, I want to be a great mom. I want to be a great husband. Dispel unbelief. And that spillover effect of dispelling unbelief will make you the parent and the spouse of, in the, whatever job you are of the year. Your faith has been established. Don't pray for more faith. That's an insult to God. You have the faith of Jesus. 
Galatians chapter two, verse 20. You have the faith of Jesus. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. You have the faith of him. Think about how insulting it is to say, Lord, give me faith. You have Jesus, the son of the living God, God himself. That is your faith. You've been given the only measure of faith you'll ever get. Stop asking for more because it's the perfect measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse three. It just has to be exposed. There's not a person in this room that couldn't have a perfect body. Don't come up to me with the exceptions at the, at the door. <laughs> On the whole, that's the case. Why don't you expose your perfect body? It's your fault, it's my fault. That's why I'm in the moderate fat category of clothing right now. Thin clothes, moderate fat clothes, fat clothes, and mega fat. I've got them all in my closet. I'm in the moderate fat class right now. Can't fit in the, I can't fit in my 36 pants. I'm in my 38 pants. I've got, 30, I've got 36 jeans in there, and I tried them on. I do this without my wife's knowledge. Man, it's like that far from here. Got my thin shirts, and they're like, you know, I can't, don't have undershirt on, so. They're like, the, the buttons are at dangerous levels of popping off. And if I move at all, everyone sees my fish belly white. I don't wear those either. But that's the same thing as faith. If you want it, go get it. Not, there's no mystery about it. Faith comes by hearing. The exposure of faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. If you want to move mountains, you're gonna have to pray fast, worship, Make God priority one. Seek ye first his kingdom. Otherwise, you're not gonna do it. You'll say the, you will fall back into the evangelical religion. All the evangelicals call Catholics religious. Evangelicals are just as religious. It's just a different form of religion. Now, I don't know why God didn't move on that. That's religion. It's not true. The answers are very clear in the Bible why God didn't move. Because God did move. It's just you didn't move the steel plate out of the way of the faucet. He's already moved. It's right there. Turn the faucet on. Plug in. Think of faith as thought. As thought. It's more than that, but let's, for simplicity of conversation, think of faith as, as thought. At Romans seven twenty three, the law of your mind. Think of it as thought. It's 12 o'clock, I'm gonna go for 10 more minutes-ish. Don't worry, I always, you notice, I always pay attention to the time. The downside of having that food being cooked back there, and just so everybody knows, there's free food. I mean, really good stuff right at the end back here. Eat, but it wafts like, I don't have an office right now because it got blown up by, Ian owns my office right now. But it wafts back there into the podcast room, and man, it smelled good. I walked in there, I went, I smell cookies. <laughs> I always 
if there's cookies anywhere nearby. I smell them. That's why I'm in my moderate fat clothes. But think of faith, this thought. What is repentance? What is it? Most people will say a 180 degree turn, that's correct. But what is it in its totality, the totality of its definition? What is repentance? A change of thought. So think of faith as thought for a moment. Now you were given the mind of Christ. So does your, again, Romans 7, 23, but I see another, I see, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. You were given the mind of Christ. So there's a war going on trying to steal from you. Because you've been given the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. A change of mind via repentance. You and I have the mind of Christ. It goes deeper than that. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So you have it, but then you gotta let it. You gotta let it happen. How do you let it happen? Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship. You don't do it, not gonna happen. I'm not saying you're going to hell. That's as sweet as I can be. That's as sweet as I know to be. You can go to heaven and not do these things, but you'll be ineffective. Get ready, as most of you already are. Tom, you wouldn't dare say that to yourself. I've already told you I wasted 50 out of 54 years. I just accept it. I didn't let that mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. I was pastoring a church and winning the lost. But nowhere near what I was called to do. Years behind schedule now. But in these end times, it's a great opportunity because God's speeding stuff up. So you can catch up. This is really the embodiment of 2 Peter 3.8. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. It's all sped up now. In my opinion, a year is like a decade now. You can just catch up. God will let you go because God is trying to capture an end times harvest. But you have to let this mind be in you, which is in Christ. You have to let it. Don't resist God. What's the point? We, a lot of us, we have a lot of bravado. We have a lot of pride and we like to resist. You should resist the world, resist the antichrist, but with God, a living sacrifice. Lord, I'm yours. A lot of you right there, I saw you. I can see your facial expressions. You start to protect yourself. You're like, what kind of church is this where the pastor actually addresses our facial expressions? I do. I look at you all the time. I can't see the first four rows, but the rest of you are my victims. I look at you, and I watch it. And if you've been a, if you were, if you've been a cop for a long time, you know facial expressions. You know how people move and what they're doing, where they're protecting themselves. And I saw it. I saw it on faces when I said it. Living sacrifice. They start to consider the cost. With Jesus? Jesus wants all of you. Is he not worthy? But what if he, what if he makes me do this? You'll be the happiest you ever were. People, the quintessential evangelical excuse is, what if he sends me to Africa? Who cares? You'll be way happier there. My daughter is. I can't keep Norma out of Africa now. Breaks my heart. She's gone all the time. <laughs> 
Can you keep her out? That's why I'm cutting off all ties with Danielle Bia. And, uh, <laughs> just kidding, Daniel. I know you'll end up watching this. Love you. <laughs> Philippians 3.15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. If you just give yourself away, God will reveal to you all that you need to know. Every door will open. Listen to the scriptures. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Have this mind. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think of your thoughts as faith. Five minutes to go. Everybody good? How do you establish your thoughts? This is where I'm finishing. Will it be anywhere between 12.10 and 12.15? I'll be done. How do you establish your thoughts? In the simplicity of this message, thinking of faith as thoughts, faith as your mindset, because we have the mind of Christ and we have his faith, so they are synonymous, correct? So how do you establish your thoughts? How do you do it? Go ahead, bark out answers. And you establish your thoughts. Ready? You will change your thoughts with action. That's it. Everybody does the reverse. God's ways and his thoughts, Isaiah 55, 8, 9, are above ours, correct? So the world will tell you, change your thoughts, and that will change your actions. That's not the Bible. You will hear that in church. Think right, and I'll tell you what, for as he thinks of his heart, so is he. You just think right, and that will reflect in your actions. Wrong! But I thought repentance was a change of thought. It brought about by a change of action. Where do you get this? Proverbs 16.3. Those of you who have attended this church for a while, you've heard me preach this, but we're going more in depth today. In eight minutes. <laughs> Commit thy works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So you want your thoughts to change? You know what, I hate my husband right now. Do the works of love and your thoughts will change. But he's a jerk, watch. Watch what happens. Instead of taking, because the only reason why there's contention is because of pride. So if you commit your works unto the Lord, your thoughts, your love will be established. What do you do? Serve him. Leave him alone. Every day he's got to grab that fishing pole and head out to that bridge and fish. Go buy a fishing pole and go with him. Have the bait bucket full when he gets home. I just stole all that from Jonathan. And listen, it says, I picked on the ladies there. Husbands, if you hate your wife, do the same thing. Tell me, people, people listen, you don't, you don't know because you haven't pastored a church. Most marriages are horrid. I'm not saying in this room. No, it's all the exceptions in this room. I'm just telling you that most of them are not good. Certainly wasn't what you thought they were, what you thought it would be, right? It can be, but you're gonna have to act. 
Not read books about it. Changing my mind, changing my mind. Oh, he's, a, he's got a sanguine personality, so. Yeah, I'm melancholy, and he's, he's sanguine. It doesn't do anything. Change your actions. What repentance is this? It's a, repentance is a change of mind brought about by a change of action. So if you never changed your actions, you never repented. You never even attempted to repent if you didn't change your actions. To whom did he swear? This is a verse that I've used probably several months in a row now. Hebrews 3, 3, 18 and 19. To whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Your actions are faith. You want things to change? Take action. Study to show yourself approved. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Pray without ceasing. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Give. Well, I give of my time and my talent. Great. Now give your money. You want things to change? Well, I'm just really going to concentrate. That's not going to do anything. Give and it will be given unto you. Here's another one. The ruler, the rich, no, not the rich young ruler, but the ruler, the leper, and the wise men all did what? Prior to receiving from God. What did they do? People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's why you're not able to answer that question. I told you, it's a different church. I expect more from you than that. I demand, listen, I demand more of you than that because I'm a servant of God, as you are, but I'm put in a pastoral position from whom much is given, much is demanded. Why do you not know what the ruler did, what the leper did, what the wise men did? They worshiped Jesus. And you sit there while we're singing like this. I'm not talking about those of you your first time in the service. You should stand there like that. I would too. If you're not saved or you're coming from a Baptist church or a Catholic church or something. I'd be a little shocked too if I walked in here. And I was when I first walked into a church like this. But I changed. Why did I change? You know why? I know why. You know why that changed for me? Because I raised my hands, took action. Listen, I was 18 years old, raised Catholic, going to Venice Assembly of God, shocked by what I saw, singing just absolutely outrageous songs like "This is the day the Lord has made." I will rejoice and be glad and outrageous. I had a man standing in front of me, and my buddy Brian and I, we used to call him the Dancing Bear. He was this giant dude. And man, any, it didn't matter what song it was. He's dancing. And I'm standing there like, what on earth is going on in this place? I mean, Catholic church to that. But I knew I was supposed to stay. And what I did was I took action. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. That's probably all I did was just go like this. And it changed my thoughts. None of the things that I just told you move God. Studying doesn't move God. Fasting doesn't move God. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together doesn't move God. Worshiping God doesn't move God. Giving doesn't move God. What it does is dispel unbelief so that you're able to receive out of the fountain, out of the faucet. 
That's all that it does. That's the point of it, but nobody will do it. They get streaky, you do it for a week, you do it for a month, but nobody sticks with it. Early in the morning will I rise up to seek thee, said the man after God's own heart. How many of you do that? They don't move God. I'm trying to figure out a place to end. It's 12, 13, trying to keep my word. They just remove your unbelief. But none of these things can be replaced. There is, there is no other alternative but these. I'm gonna close with this. This is a good spot to close. It's a little bit redundant, but I'm gonna close right here. Ambient noise is what causes you not to obey. What causes you not to study. What causes you to forsake the assembly. How many of you struggle with being in church every Sunday? Why? Why do you struggle with being in church every Sunday? There was a, there was a two-year period in my life where I never had a day off for two years straight. Two years straight, never had a day off. I worked Monday through Friday, the sheriff's office personnel and VPD personnel that are in this room right now, they know. Then I worked, then I worked special details on Saturday. And I worked them during the week too because I had to have the money. This was like 2006 through nine. We had a collapse, hope lost her job. We were all that we had. Pulled our kids out of private Christian school. She was homeschooling and I had to make all the money. So I worked every day. It would be Monday through Friday, probably one or two details and then, and then a, basically a full day detail on Saturday, church Sunday. And I'm preaching. We're like, where on earth did you write the message? Sitting in the patrol car, using the patrol car computer, biblegateway.com. In the patrol car. Yeah, I went to church every Sunday. What's your excuse? Amen. I never missed. What's your excuse? What? You, that, ambient noise is what causes you to miss church. Missing church is an ambient noise. It's a result of ambient noise. Convincing you and pulling you. Warring against the law of your mind, which is the mind of Christ. Warring against the law of faith. Here's what I'll finish with. Here's what I'll finish. Just some, all, these are the alternatives. That's what ambient noise is. The alternatives to these things. Here's an alternative to praying. Here's, here's an alternative to church. Here's, 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 an, here's an alternative called offense to keep you away from God. But, but I'm right. You know what? You can be right. I told you, I never think I'm wrong. Ever. Now, the difference between me and other people like that is if you convince me and you show me the evidence, I'll admit I'm wrong. I will do that. But you can be right. Well, that person was a jerk. Well, they were a jerk. You know, why do you talk about this? Why are you closing with this? Because I know what's coming. People, listen, there's, people hate me. You should see what people write about me. It doesn't have any effect on me at all. I'm not gonna not come to church over it. People walk out on me all the time. That lady couldn't have walked out any faster this morning, and now I've confirmed it throughout the service because she never came back. It wasn't a potty visit. Doesn't, I'm not, I'm not, you may think I'm bothered by it, 
I'm not bothered by it. It's just fun to talk about. You know, I'll give you this example in closing. Aaron, so everybody knows that I'm going to keep my word. I've never had anybody leave the ministry that was outperforming the ministry. Just say if it, uh, Francois, I don't see Francois, not in here. I'm trying to think of some other folks or whatever, but you have a ministry in this church, whatever. Whatever it is, I'll just use Travis again. And you give it all that you have. You sell out, you do those things that I just named, study, pray, fast, all those things. And you do that, you'll be happy. Or you can choose the ambient noise of offense. When I was youth pastoring, my service, my youth service was the single largest service in the church. And man, I was as mean as a rattlesnake to those kids, just like I am to you. Repent, turn, burn, hell. All the time. It's full of people. Yeah, Pete was there. Pete was there. Pete was my worship leader then. So, I mean, just, and we were full. I gave it all I had. I was working night shift at the sheriff's office. At, t- I was, at times, I was North, North County shift super sergeant for patrol. And sometimes I, was, sometimes I was south, depending on, you know, the time frame or whatever. But I'd, lo- I'd do a youth service. I called my supervisor about every Wednesday night and said, hey, I'm going to be late. And he let me log on a half an hour late. And I was doing, that's, what, that's what I was doing. I gave it all that I had. I went there for hours. I said it, it took us hours to set up every Wednesday because our, our youth service was also the main sanctuary. So we had to basically tear everything down and put it back up every time. I gave it all that I had. If you're gonna leave, the only reason for you to leave is that you are doing better than the church. The church can't contain you. That's not why I left. But that's the only reason why you should go, not because you got your feelings hurt. You're like, Tom, you call people out in the middle of service. That's right. I see you misbehaving in here. You're getting called out. You can be offended if you want. That's for your good. You think think for some reason I get off on it? Man, he just likes to be a control freak. No, I don't. Listen, I'm a loner. I'm a solitary person. I'm not saying, oh, I just want people to look at me all the time. How many pastor appreciation days do we have at this church? This is year 17 or 18 of this church. Let me see how many we've had. None. I'm not looking for attention. I'm not looking to lord over you. I'm looking for from whom much is given, much is demanded. I want your ministry to take off. For you, not even for me, for you. I'm mean to you for you. Not for me. So I'll close with this. I remember I went to, this is when I was going to Inglewood Church of God. And we made the cataclysmic mistake of joining a softball tournament. <laughs> Actually, not we, I. And we would do this yearly, but this was like the first year or whatever. And the only problem with me is, is that if I join something like that, I'll die before I lose <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a statewide Church of God softball tournament at Greco Field in Tampa. So from around the state, a myriad of teams would come in and play. And I got into basically a shouting match with the pastor of my church in the middle of the game because I was over competitive. And I got into another argument with him after too, and Hope was right, when I was dating Hope, I got into an argument with them too about ushering, whatever. So I got into an argument with them then, and the pastor and his wife. So on the field in front of everybody, he and I got, I mean, I'm talking, we were going at it. I didn't leave. And by the way, just so you know, I know that I said that I'm always right. I think that I'm always right. After all these years of contemplation, which I haven't thought about it in years, I don't remember even what they were about, but I was right. And the one who hope was there, the one that was at their house with the pastor and his wife. I was right. Didn't affect my commitment to the church. Like, why are you talking about this so much? Because offense is ambient noise that wars against the law of your mind. What's yours? Offense isn't mine. I just don't, I don't get offended. I really don't. I just move on. But what's yours? What's your ambient noise? Most people like to pretend they don't know. You already know right now. What is it? You know. Amen? Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise you, Lord. A little behind schedule, but only seven minutes. If you know what your ambient noise is, what's challenging the law of your mind, it's the last week of this message series. If you know what it is, shut your hand up right where you're at to symbolize what it is. My hand's up. My hand's up. My matter of fact, I'm gonna put two up. You can put them down. If you don't know what it is, put your hand up. All right, I'm gonna pray over everybody. Lord, for those that don't know, I ask you to reveal it to them right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Reveal to them step one of getting rid of the ambient noise in their life. For those that do know, empower them by the power of the Holy Ghost to overcome the ambient noise in their life that's warring against the law of their mind. Lord, for what purpose? For what purpose? Jesus sent them out to raise the dead, to give sight to the blind, provision to the poor, salvation to the lost. To raise the dead, to give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, provision to the poor, salvation to the lost. To be the restraining of the antichrist spirit, that's trying to take over the world right now. You've called us, Lord, and we will not allow anything to get in the way of that which you have called us to do. Nothing anymore. We cry out to you and we say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Say that with me. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Just like the Father said in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. No more constraints. No more chains. Chains be loosed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to come down there and look at you for just a moment. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Travis, get ready because we're going to pray at the end here too. Praise you, Lord. Just warning you, so I'll throw it on you. If you need to get saved this morning, now is your time. Right at this moment. What does saved mean? Saved just means all your sins forgiven. That's it. And if they're not forgiven, you're not going to heaven. And what is what is 75 90 years on earth? What, what does that matter in comparison to eternity? What does it matter? It doesn't matter. What matters is where you spend eternity. You can look up at me for just a moment because we're going to do this out front. I like it out front better. Where do you stand with God? Where do you stand with Him? Are you in right standing with God? You're like, Tom, is that, you know, you're a pastor and you're a Christian. and that isn't, That's not what puts me in right standing. What puts me in right standing is that I humbled myself before God and said, Lord, I am a sinner. I'm lost. Look at all the fruit of that lostness. Look at all the fruit of my sin. I'm lost. And I can't work my way into righteousness because nothing will cover my sin. There had to be a spotless lamb that died for it to wash it away, to take it as far as the east is from the west from me. Somebody had to do it, and that was Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, becoming the propitiation, the sacrifice for my sin. And I took all of my sin, and I lumped it on him, and I let him die for my sin. I let him go down into the depths of hell to grab the keys of death, hell, and the grave for me so that I don't have to go to hell. And I put all of my sin and all of my hell-boundness on top of Jesus. And he took it. Have you done that? If you haven't, now is your time. We call it salvation. We call it getting saved. We call it being born again. But what it is, is being forgiven. If you need that today, now is your time. And I'm doing this boldly. Really, nobody can see you but me. If you have backslidden, I didn't get to a lot of the message today because part of faith is preaching the entire witness of the Bible, which people won't preach because it empties out their churches, telling people that they can lose their salvation, which you can, Hebrews chapter six, four through eight, read it. Colossians chapter one, 21 through 23, read it. Hebrews chapter 10, 26, 26 and 27, read it. Revelation 3, 15 and 16, the lukewarm, read it. So first to the backslidden Christian, I'm talking to you. You are living in a hell-bound state called apostasy. I know nobody will tell you that, but wouldn't you rather me warn you that the bridge is out? Instead of finding out at the great white throne judgment, finding out when you don't go in the rapture, now at the mercies of the Antichrist. Oh, that sounds like, it's sad that the church thinks that the book of Revelation is right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not, it's gonna happen. Tom, you're using fear to save people. That's right, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. No problem at all with it. No problem at all with it. If that's you, you need to, get, you need to be recommitted this morning. Maybe you've never been saved and maybe people think you're saved. 
And you don't wanna, you don't wanna respond to an altar call like this because it will reveal reality. That's pride going before your own destruction. Who cares? Who cares? You're standing, you're, stand, you're sitting before a man, and a man is standing before you who acknowledges that he's wasted 50 out of 54 years. There's no pride left in me. There's none. God stripped it all away. There's nothing left. Will you be the same and say, you know what? Today's my day. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. It's time for Jesus to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. It's time. If that's you this morning, wherever, whatever, whatever state that you are in, and you're ready to give your life back to Christ or, Christ or give it to Christ for the first time, if that's you, right where you're at, put as many hands up in the air as you possibly can. There you go. Put them up there. Put them up. Come on. Put them up. 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 Amen. You can put them down. A lot, a lot of people. A lot of people. The entire church is going to pray this prayer with you. You pray it. You mean it, and you're saved. Pray it out loud with us. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins, and I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' name church shouts all right now I want to finish with this I know listen I'm not keeping my word I'm a bad bad boy it's 1230 you've been in church for two hours and 25 minutes but I got to pray over people the Lord's compelling me to pray over people so listen and Tom I want to know what happens with Tyler that's his name right Kyler Kyler I want to know. Look, keep me updated on that because I'm expecting great things. That little boy captured my heart. He's captured me. Hope knows I've been talking about him. I can't get him out of my head. So he's captured my heart. Whatever it is that's going on in your life right now, you're like, Tom, what's your hand? That's just so I don't melt you with my dragon preaching breath. <laughs> Jonathan said one time, he goes, I honestly think that people who if I don't put a minute in my mouth, they'd rather just keep their stage four lung cancer than me come up and pray over them with my dragon breath. So that's what this is, if you're wondering. But I wanna pray over you this morning. It's not gonna take long. This isn't a standard Pentecostal church. We're gonna machine gun fire through prayer. Do you need to be delivered? Are you addicted? Are you depressed? Are you full of anxiety? Do you need to be delivered? Do you need to be healed? Do you need to be encouraged? I am simply God's vessel and the Holy Ghost will move through me to touch you today. It's all that it is, all glory, all honor, all praise to the almighty God of Israel. But when I lay hands on you this morning, the problem is solved. If you will simply agree with me, you are healed, you are restored, you are delivered. It's as simple as that. So if you need any of those things that I just said or anything else, come on up. And when you do, the moment I touch you, the power of God comes upon you and solves all the problems in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, 
please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.